This episode is called Art for God's Sake, and today we will be discussing the arts, whatever you want to classify that as, and Christianity. More specifically, we're going to try to define the arts um, and what expressions Christians may or may not be comfortable with and why. And when we're thinking about the arts, it can be anything that's visual, performance, digital, literary, etc. Um, and we're going to try to uh, discuss diverse expressions of art. As always, we want to take a second look at what we think we know about Christian life and see what the Bible actually says. The point is to better navigate and find a pattern for the reason why we live our lives before God. Welcome to the Patterns of Truth podcast, the place for casual discussion of biblical principles and difficult questions that face the Christian believer. We believe that the Bible can speak to today's issues, giving us the wisdom and the courage we need for our lives. We are so glad that you are joining us, and you can always find us at patternsoftruth.org. Welcome. Thanks for joining us again at Patterns of Truth. This is our podcast, and I'm Patricia, your host for today. Today, I'm here with Krista, Roy, Peter, and Aaron. Welcome, everyone. How has everyone's summer been going? Well, we've been very busy. We spent five weeks in uh, Europe. Nice. Uh, we visited brethren in uh, Switzerland and uh, France and Italy and Germany, pretty much in that order. Nice. Sounds like fun. Yeah, very very warm. Mm -hmm. Lots of food. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure. I'm so jealous. Oh, and the views, especially like Switzerland, those mountains. It's like they look fake, right? (laughs) They're not. We had to drive over them. (laughs) (laughs) They are awesome, though. Oh, that's really cool. Aaron, what about you? Staying busy, also. Mostly been in state. Yeah touring some of the stuff that's available around Colorado here. There's lots of scenery in the Rocky Mountains, not quite as big as the Alps, but it has right. its own kind of beauty. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Krista, what about you? Big stuff this summer. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, this summer, in about a three-week time span, I decided to move from California to Arizona, start a new job, and uh, that has been an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's cool. Peter, and you, enjoying your summer? I've been enjoying my summer. Been going to Bible conferences and camps. So that was fun and exhausting at the same time. (laughs) Also, I started being consistent in exercising, which is great. I wake up early and exercise. And uh, right now, in the end of the summer, kind of allergies kicking in. Oh. Kind of in a weird time. <laughs> so I'm suffering from like runny nose and congestion and oh, no. especially when I'm trying to, yeah, <laughs> so I can sleep too. <laughs> oh yeah, that is. Um, well, I hope you feel better soon, but I know it's like, it's going to be a little bit of a rough one um, with the weather for a bit, but thanks. I'm glad to see and talk to all of you. So we're just going to jump into our topic. We're going to start with thinking about how each of us individually might participate or create art as Christians. And remember, this can be anything. So if you write poetry or you like to frequent museums or you sing, it it all counts as like participating in art, like as a as an individual. So I'd like to hear from you all. Um, so actually, we'll, we'll go back right to you, Peter. 
Is there any way that you participate in some sort of art, like, or artistic expression? What does that look like? So, yes, no. Um, <laughs> I love art. Okay. I'm not artistic, but I love art, uh, especially okay. like photography. I, I got mm -hmm. into photography and I just didn't keep it going. And um, uh, when I was younger, I wanted to get more involved with uh, kind of digital art, like uh, hmm. graphic design and designing pamphlets. And so this is kind of, and now I, I love just watching, uh, don't laugh, Pinterest and like YouTube <laughs> videos. <laughs> uh, Sorry, you laugh. Building you laugh, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so usually it's like carpentry stuff and, uh, uh, you know, building stuff. It's kind of neat, you know, the design and building something that looks okay. nice. That's really cool. All right, all right. We won't so, laugh too much at the Pinterest, <laughs> but, but I mean, it is a good starting point for a lot of ideas. So, you know. Listen, it's a good app. Uh, right? Yeah. All right, Aaron, what about you? Yeah, I've actually done a, dabbled in a lot of different art over my lifetime. A lot of it I didn't stick with, but what I've generally spent probably most of my recent time with is things like photography, like Peter was saying, graphics design, some of those things. Mm -hmm. Lately, I've been trying to apply some of those for posting uh, content on YouTube. Okay. I'd like to do like instructional type of videos or else, you know, exploration adventure type of things. You know, it's not necessarily focused specifically on the fact that I am a Christian, but, uh, you know, as it comes up, I don't try to hide it either. Mm -hmm. And I try to do it in such a way that I can, you know, help people while at the same time, maybe entertaining them a bit. Okay. And I also like to watch what other creators are doing on YouTube once in a while, like go out and about, like maybe see a play or something like that. I haven't been able to do that as much now, just logistically because of family. So, you know, when you've got two young kids that slows that down for a while. So I tend to focus on what I can do from home more. So nice. All right, Krista, what about you participating <laughs> in art, creating art in any way? Oh man. Uh, well, I love to write. I write poetry um, before my voice started sounding like this because of allergies. I like to sing and I'm a dancer. So when I was younger, I did a lot of choreography. I also love to do create art on people's faces with doing hair and makeup. So. Okay, cool. Nice. Last but not least, Roy, what about you? Well, I uh, have a very artistic sister. She's done professional <laughs> art. Yeah, both photography and design. Okay. I think she got all the talent in the family. Oh, <laughs> we see some of her stuff on social media. Yeah, yeah, she does. So you view it? Yes, I view okay. it. Okay. No, I, I enjoy all kinds of music, and mm -hmm. um, I enjoy uh, uh, artistic work. But I'm not much of a participant. I'll. I um, I did a class a while back on Revelation going through Revelation with some people, and I tried to draw out a sketch of the different um, sequences in Revelation, mm -hmm. and uh, almost nobody could figure out what I had oh. drawn. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's uh, a story about my artistic ability. Oh, that's funny. You know what's funny about that? It's like there really is a, a special place, like – I think people who can like bring the Bible to life, like that they have, right. like I have a, I have a, it's a, I guess te technically it's a Bible, but there's an illustrated Bible I have from my childhood. And like, they, like the artists are, are just so amazing. They literally have it in a comic book format and they go from, you know, Genesis to revelation and they didn't change it just because it's a kid's book, but they had so many of like the com more complex descriptions about like the tabernacle and the temple and like the different, like 
images and prophecy in Daniel that as a kid, it helped me visualize what was there in such a powerful way. And it really, I don't know, it, it piqued my interest and maybe want to read, you know, the Bible without the pictures more as a kid, which I thought was awesome. And I always thought like those people are really, really, really special. And I think they're definitely called by the Lord to do that because sometimes just reading, like for some people, reading doesn't make them see images in their head or be able to visualize what's there. So um, yeah, I can't draw or paint either. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like super grateful for that book I grew up with. Um, But speaking about that book that I grew up with, obviously I received that book from my parents. And so they must have done some sort of vetting process like before they gave it to me to say like, okay, is this appropriate or what? So let's just get a little conversation going about like as Christians, we may participate or create whatever type of art that we're involved in. And what is the process that some of us may go through when deciding like, okay, this is okay for me as a Christian to consume whatever type of art it is. And what type is not okay for me to consume or even create? Because we know that there's always tensions about, you know, what we like and then what's good for us, like in terms of like edifying us as Christians. So what's your thought process when saying, okay, like this is okay for me or not? I know that for me, I, um, I'm very careful about like in music. I listen. I love music. It's always playing, always have it on very careful about what I listen to as far as the language, like what it is glorifying, you know, if Mm -hmm. it's being derogatory towards anything, you know, I won't listen to it. If there's cursing, I won't listen because, you know, back before I was really living my life for the Lord, I didn't really care what music I listened to. And, you know, sometimes those songs can come back to haunt you. You know, you're walking down the street and all of a sudden I hear this song and I'm like, oh, I haven't listened to that song in 15 years. Like, where is that coming from? You know, what in the world? And so I've, I've been very careful. And that's something that I instill in my my daughter as well. There are things that I grew up listening to and I would, you know, I'd be so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I loved the song when we were in high school. And I start listening to it. And I'm like, whoa, turn it off. I forgot about that. And can't listen yeah. to that, you know? And then my friends and I have gone into conversations, you know, like, we had no idea what we were singing when we were 12, you know? Mm. But now that we're in our 40s, we're like, whoa, we don't want our kids singing that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So one thing I would teach my daughter and my students that I had in the past was once you see it, you can and see it. Once you hear it, can and hear it. So we have mm-hmm. to be very careful about what we're putting into our, our minds and our hearts. Okay. And so that's my vetting process. If it's going to come back, you know, and it's going to be bitter later, probably mm-hmm. shouldn't be, I probably shouldn't be partaking. Yeah. I think the thing, like the thread I'm hearing is like what we consume, like as believers that in terms of like the content, whatever the content is, if it is anti-God or anti any of his, I would say like his attributes, his characteristics, right? So like, I know whenever we like, we repeat like, you know, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are of a good report, whatever is the opposite of that, I'm sensing, like I'm inferring that that's what you were talking about, what we should shy away from as Christians, whatever is a negative influence. I would say even something, sometimes even if you don't think about it, like the focus on materialism and material goods, when it's kind of cloaked in, you know, be a hard worker, that could also be something that maybe if we listen to something like that too often, our mindset can become very self-centered, materialistic, 
And if we look at the Bible, the things that God outlines for us, the Lord tells us to be focused on, you know, to lay up your treasures in heaven, right? And anything that takes us away from the mindset, you know, of thinking on heavenly things, thinking on God's things would be something that we should probably not ingest on a regular basis. That's that's kind of what I'm getting from both of your comments. Anything, Aaron and Roy, on your vetting process or? I think the issue of music is a rather interesting one because I think we all engage in listening to music. And uh, there's such a variety from hymns of, uh, we might say, classical nature. There's Mm -hmm. power in the blood or something like that. But there's another dimension to music, and that is the genre or the music itself. And um, for myself, I think um, as far as I can have paid any attention to it, there isn't really any genre that I don't like. And I think that's interesting because I know people get fixated on certain types of music mm-hmm. and some music they will argue is of the devil or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't think I've felt that. However, very strongly attentive to what Krista was talking about as to the message. Mm -hmm. And um, not all good messages are necessarily come from classical hymns. Um, There's a lot of songs that are secular that talk about human experience, and these may be just fine. But we do have to watch out for experience or expressions that focus on things that are not uplifting or um, maybe not just uplifting. They may be sad songs, but they're, they're, they have a lesson in them that is mm-hmm. of value. Now, in terms of Christian music, um, I actually prefer the more classical hymns simply because they, they have more content in the words. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's that's important. And I think that gets to what Krista was saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what we need to pay attention to is whether or not the words are conveying something that helps us. There are songs which contain lines, Christian songs I'm speaking of, mm-hmm. or stanzas or verses that, well, let's say they make me wince because they're <laughs> expressing something which is not scriptural. So, you know, that's something to recognize. And that's something you can only learn. Like Krista was saying, there's a really good point she made about growing up. You know, the older we get, the more experiences we have and the better basis we have for making judgments. Mm -hmm. So um, it's good to uh, talk to people and find out what their experiences are and Mm -hmm. uh, see how they correlate to our own. Mm -hmm. Interesting that we're spending this much time talking primarily about music. I've had that same experience though, because music really can get stuck in your head in a way that few other things can. And so that's kind of been one of my uh, areas as well, following kind of the same principles we're talking about here is what is the message? And Mm. in addition to the message, how is it being conveyed? Are there specific types of words or phrases that I don't want stuck there? Mm. And so that's something I've kind of always watched out for, but at the same time, it's interesting. I've had to I had to kind of break out into this on my own because growing up, my parents, you know, they were probably, I guess, technically boomers and their growing up years kind of coincided with the very late sixties to early seventies. 
And if you think about some of what was going on in the popular culture in the 70s, and it kind of had a parallel moment again in the 1990s, where there was just no restraint on what was being said and done in music and in movies and in mm. popular culture generally. And so they just kind of had a reaction to that where they just shut it all down, walked away from it. And so, you know, there was no TV in the household when I grew up. There was, you know, going to the movies wasn't a thing. You know, we did listen to some music and, and Christian radio, classical, things like that. But, you know, when the CCM, the Christian contemporary music movement kind of took off there mm. sometime between the late 80s to early 90s, I mean, I kind of found that on my own along with my peers and, and siblings and started saying, oh, hey, cool. There's a different way to do music than everything I've listened to growing up. <laughs> hmm. And then as I listened to more of that and found out more of, you know, what had been going on in contemporary secular culture for music, I started finding things I didn't know existed. But at the same time, then I also started discovering, okay, wait a minute, hmm. there's some content in here that is just absolutely despises God and anything that is good or right. Hmm. And so I started trying to make an effort to consciously focus on what is the message and what are the means being used to convey it and filter accordingly. And, you, you know, you can take it to a similar principle with almost yeah. any other kind of media, movies, television yeah. shows, whatever. I think you bring up a really good point because I do think that everyone, like whether someone grows up in a believing household or not, you do have this moment of like awareness when you realize like, oh, there may have been a contrast between what you grew up hearing and then maybe what the larger, wider culture is experiencing. And of course, I think as Christians, we go through that too. And then we start to realize, oh, like there's a little bit of tension here. There are other Christians that I may know or not know who think differently about whatever it so happens to say, we're talking about music, musical expression, and they did it differently. I remember like growing up listening to this one artist I think she made a lot of her music in the late 80s, early 90s. Her name is Helen Baylor. And I grew up listening to her. Like she is a pretty wonderful testimony how the Lord like delivered her from drugs and different things. Like but her mother had her singing in clubs when she was a child and her mother wasn't a believer. And I remember like really liking the style of her music. And then I got a little older and then I heard another artist who was popular during that time. And I was like, why does she sound like this Christian artist that I know? And it turns out they were making music around the same time. And one artist is talking about things I, you know, shouldn't be listening to. Right. And then this other artist that I grew up with, Helen Baylor, she's talking about the Lord delivering her from an addiction to cocaine and like getting saved. And just the difference, I remember just having that moment and saying like, I don't know, does it really matter? Like <laughs> what the music sounded like, because I remember as a kid just being in awe of her testimony and it really was the message like that she was saying. And I, I just I just remember being like really impressed by that. And even though I heard the similarities between her and other artists at that time, because it was a popular style, she was different because the Lord was in her life and she talked about that. And it made an impact on me as a young believer, as a kid, and it still does now. That's why I'm talking about her, right? But I think we do experience that from time to time where we're kind of like, oh, wait, is this okay? Like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, and I think it just comes down to this question of like, are all types of art good? Maybe we can move away just from music. We can look at like, you know, paintings, design, even architecture. Like, are all types of art good? Like, are they just neutral? And like, is art neutral? And we just kind of like put a message in there that's either godly or ungodly. Like, 
what do we think? I think this is always a tough question because I think some people are like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's music with no words, there's no such thing as good or bad art. So what do we think? Well, we were just recently, as I mentioned, in Europe, and you're surrounded when you walk through places like Florence and Siena, you're surrounded by uh, art of a classical nature. We, I, I'm no, I know I'm losing that term too, too loosely, but because there's Baroque and there's other stages that the artist went through. But the point I want to make briefly is that you can, uh, and this is distinguishing between the medium and the talent, the um, expertise that goes into producing something and admiring that, and yet recognizing that what is being portrayed has an ulterior motive that we might not agree with. Okay, I'll give you a specific example. Mm-hmm. In, the, um, in the paintings that you'll find in, in a lot of those churches, uh, there'll be some beautiful paintings, well done, preserved, and all that. Uh, they manifest a, uh, an astonishing degree of talent. Hmm. But when you look at them, you'll find various scenes like the apostles uh, doing something. And then in the corner, there'll be another a man watching. And it turns out that he's the mayor of the town or something like that. So <laughs> what the artist has done is to promote certain individuals into his mm-hmm. paintings that has a religious theme. That is his, what do you call it, benefactor. Mm. So uh, it's really interesting because you see this a lot in um, art, especially in Italy. Mm. Yeah, I think Roy brings an important point that all art presents a message. And we have to vet this message. Is it Mm -hmm. something that aligns with scripture or it doesn't align with scripture? I think that boils down. Which I think, that to answer your question, Patricia, uh, there is good art and bad art, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Is it something that just makes you cringe, like bad art makes you cringe, or like as a human, not necessarily like in a biblical sense? So that's the interesting thing. I think art in general is appealing because it's, you know, art affects our emotions, right? Emotions are not bad. God created emotions. Mm-hmm. but that it does align with scripture. All right. I'm going to push on that one too. Cause I think earlier we talked a little bit about architecture. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So if architecture, like if there can be, I think Aaron had mentioned it, like, you know, before we started recording are good, like there are good and bad designs. There's beautification. Like what does that have to do with the Bible at all? If anything, is that something we should be worried about Aaron? <laughs> Well, in, in some pre-discussion, I think a couple of people had brought up the idea that, wait a minute, there is architecture and beauty described in the Bible. Hmm. It's described in the building of the temple. It's described in the laying out of the tabernacle. Hmm. And so clearly there is a productive use of these talents and abilities. And there are ways of implementing things that look nice. And there are ways that can make things that are maybe technically functional, but no one wants to look at them. Hmm. And there's added costs associated with making things look nice. So that takes an allocation of resources that are used to make something look nice that are not used for some other purpose. And yet, within reason, at least, it seems like in scripture, it may not talk about that specifically, but it shows examples Mm -hmm. of people doing that things and sometimes even doing them by God's direction. Well, importantly, I think God himself is 
referred to as an architect in Hebrews. Um, the verse I like is, uh, by faith we apprehend that the worlds were framed by the mm-hmm. word of God. So that framing has always struck me as being something structural. Now, mm-hmm. that I don't mean literally structural, but it can be a lot of things. But I think there's a, a function that's manifested in the design Hmm. And that that is uh, has an appeal. So I think in architecture you get both the structure and the and the artistic elements combined, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. And I think in a way that maps the word I want it it um, reflects what God has done in nature, hmm. because nature ha- is full of things, growing things, and other uh, maybe structural things. That have a beauty, but the beauty, very often it's an expression of an elegant way of solving a problem. It's a structure in in a structural sense. Mm. Uh, I think of a tree, for example, Uh, the rings in the tree can be used to make very beautiful woodwork. But at the same time, those rings have a structural function. So I I just find that very fascinating. Mm that that beauty can arise out of a good design which Mm. that is is itself a reflection of the necessities of we maybe even physical laws yeah it makes me think of the just the human body and probably peter can talk about this um more because your line of work but just the design in the human body and then the yeah like the the awesome realization I think all of us right here sitting sitting and talking to each other like we all started out as something that was microscopic and we became what we are <laughs> right now which is just crazy and amazing to think about so Peter what is it that you see in the design of the human body that connects to our sense of art artistic ability and design that comes from God our creator Yeah, I can uh, talk your ears off (laughs) (laughs) about this topic. But uh, yeah, even like things that we don't see perceived attractive, like the kidneys. Go ahead. Tell us about uh, the kidneys. (laughs) uh, It's it's funny when uh, it's neat that when the kidneys are not working, uh, the body becomes out of whack. You, You become anemic. Your hemoglobin drops. Your electrolytes in the body changes, phosphate increases, calcium decreases, you, you have osteoporosis, uh, your potassium goes up. Sometimes we think of it only as a filter, which it does, but it does balance and maintain the balance of the body too. So just the intricate design of mm-hmm. each organ and how they're working with each other is an art, is is beautiful, you know, when you mm-hmm. think about it. Like we were brainstorming and like Roy was saying, God is an artist, he's an architect. And that's beautiful because we can relate. He's, he's a person mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, provided for us the ability to relate to him that way. So you have a more of relationship with God because of his artistic abilities. And when you see nature, for example, and beautiful scenes in Mm-hmm. Switzerland or Colorado or Oregon brings relationship to God. Mm. Is there anything you've seen under a microscope 
like from like that that's within the human body and ever said like, wow, that's really beautiful. Like not just how it works, but how it looks. Is there anything that you've seen? Like, oh, that's pretty. <laughs> Funny <laughs> you say this, but uh, even bacteria that's harmful. <laughs> uh, okay. When you look at it, it's like, wow. It's, uh, and sometimes like you color them too. So to know if it's gram positive or negative and like they have beautiful colors uh, and just the structure of the bacteria is, is appealing. <laughs> okay. I can tell you're really passionate about this, Peter. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I was just going to say, you know, like one of his names, you know, is God creator Elohim and he gives us the talents. And I think the difference, you know, even in sunrises and sunsets, they're not the same, hmm. you know, here in Arizona, I've seen some really gnarly bugs and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, God is created. <laughs> like God, God is so amazing to me that he has created like so many different varieties. And even in, in people, as we're saying, you know, even identical twins have slight differences, you know, mm -hmm. there's flowers, you know, I think he has just done so much creativity and he gives us talent to be able to, you know, create as well, which I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. Wish I was a better creator in, in music. <laughs> I wish I could sing better, but you know, that's, um, I, I just think it, you know, like Peter was saying, we're able to connect and to relate because of his, his creativity and he created us to be creative as well. So then kind of going off of that, how can, like, if I'm a Christian and say <clears throat> we do have like an excellent level of um, skill and accomplishment in any particular area of art, how can that art be used to glorify God? What does that look like? I know we started out the conversation with music, but what does it look like when someone who has excellent ability or growing ability, how do we glorify God with that? What does that look like? Well, the first thing would be to know God. And I don't, I don't mean simply being born again. That's, of course, the starting point. Mm -hmm. uh, no one can really know God unless they're born again. Let's say become a Christian, as we say. But um, I think understanding what we've been talking about about the nature and character of God, I think that's actually the first step. Hmm. Because if we are created in his image, then there's a foundation there uh, at the very beginning hmm. for being able to reflect his attributes, uh, whatever they hmm. might be. Yeah. And uh, we need to build on those. We need to develop those hmm. and grow those. I think it was mentioned earlier about growth and it's really amazing uh, that we grow uh, throughout our lives, but there is a point at which we, well, just think of the, t to the talent we have to begin with. If we have the ability to paint artistically, I don't mean paint a garage door like I can, <laughs> but um, yes. then that talent needs to be developed. And mm -hmm. so our understanding and knowledge of God needs to be developed too. So if those are developed in parallel, rather than and, and thought and we understand that they do relate to one another then i think that's a foundation or at least a beginning st a starting point for being mm -hmm. able to express in your talent and in your ability the mind of god if we could put it that way mm -hmm. yeah that's fair and may i 
may I put, uh, just put in a scripture there that came to mind. It's and let me explain the connection here in a second. But it was one of the parables the Lord was telling in Luke 19, and it's about a nobleman. He gives these uh, qu- talents, it's a quantity of money, to his various servants, and then tells them in verse 13, "Occupy until I come," or in other words, stay busy, be productive, be useful. Mm. So I, th- I think maybe sometimes when we talk about art, there's both a passive way to glorify God using it and an active way. And sometimes we think if we're not doing the active way, then it's a complete waste. I'm not yeah. so sure that's true, though, because the passive way of being artistic is simply to be useful in, in beautifying and, and improving your environment around you. Even back at the beginning of the creation, actually, you remember that the command to the mankind was to go out into the earth and to, and to among other things, subdue it. In other words, keep it from going wild. Keep it neat. Keep it orderly. Hmm. Use use it in a good way. And, you know, a person can use their talents that they're not necessarily actively saying glory to God every time that they, you know, write out a line of poetry or whatever, <laughs> but they can be doing something that will produce income, that will encourage hmm. other people, that will s- simply by going about their n- normal course of business will mm-hmm. show people that, that we don't have to be negative. We don't have to be complaining. We can beautify things. We can make them look better. Mm-hmm. And then the other way that is the active way where, for example, maybe someone has the talent and the ability and is gifted by God to write hymns. So now they're actually using their ability to create music that might be sung together as a company of believers gathering, you know, for a Bible study or, or for a, just a time of worship or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I think maybe that's one of the confusions that comes in on that is that if I'm using my talents and abilities, I mean, yes, I could use them wastefully. I could be just, you know, just indulging myself, indulging my flesh making me feel good and doing nothing that is useful to Mm. advance my life or advance anyone else's. But there is a passive way. I think we're just by using my talents in a way that helps other people that does in a sense, bring glory to God because he's the one who created me and gave me those abilities. But then there's also the active way. And I think we need to realize that, you know, if I'm not out actually writing hymns with my ability, that doesn't mean I'm not glorifying God in what I'm doing. Mm. They're just different ways. Yeah. I think that's a really good point to bring up because I do feel like our Western culture is very much focused on like stardom, the individual star of, I mean, even like, I don't know, I like watching basketball. Right. And even the way that like my favorite, um, you know, commentators like talk about basketball teams. If someone else doesn't know like who's on that team, you, you feel like there's only five players, right? (laughs) Like, which is not true. And I feel like almost everything that we consume or we hear about is like that. And I think we can even get that implicit message as Christians as well, that like, you know, if I am not the, I don't know, if I don't sing the solo or I'm not the center of attention, or I'm not the best person, I don't know, the best painter or the best visual artist, then it doesn't matter. But even though we may know, like in the Bible, like, you know, God cares, God sees and he cares about the small things that we're doing as well, or what seems small to us, like bring him glory. But I think we can get caught up in that and just feel like, no, I just rather not even do anything because I don't have, it may not seem like I'm the best of the best. And I think that that is something for us to consider that maybe there is more that we could be doing with some artistic ability that we have. Um, but maybe we feel like, I know I've gone through this. You feel intimidated, like, Oh, I don't think I'm the best. So I'll just won't do it at all. Right. And really the Lord just wants willing hearts. Right. And yeah, I definitely feel challenged by that one (laughs) in this, in this moment. 
Yeah, so I'll just move to our final question, because um, I think we've been moving there anyway, um, just kind of dancing around it a little bit. So if there are people out there who are Christian artists, whatever type of art they're involved in, what are some biblical pro- principles that they should follow as they try to honor the Lord with their art? I know we've talked about, you know, God honoring and edifying, but like, let's break it down into like, you know, more smaller, smaller um, chunks. What exactly does that mean? What does it look like um, when I say I want to make something, I want to do something? How do I honor God as I do that? I think it goes back to the message again. So what's the message that they're trying to convey? Uh, Is that message, I mean, biblical or not? Uh, If it's uh, something that would uplift others or not? I think simply that's that's where I I see it. Yeah, that's good. Roy, what about you? Do a good job. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I think that that's a simple statement. But if you're really going to do something, uh, well, I guess Ecclesiastes puts it this way: whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Hmm. So the idea is to be serious about uh, what you want to convey and how you convey the message. Don't do a slipshod job because that doesn't convey the right, the right message mm-hmm. even by the way it's done, regardless of what you're actually trying to say. So do the best job you can and develop your talents. Yeah. I think that's a good point too, because it's like, you know, God deserves the best from us. So we shouldn't be lazy or haphazard in whatever we do. Cause I think, if other people look on, like people who are not Christians, right, they could look on and say like, oh, it doesn't seem like you care that much, right? If we're not putting forth that effort, maybe. You know, I would turn that on its head. Okay. Because I think too often we um, we set a target. We say, I got, you know, God deserves our best. That puts me under obligation. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not under obligation. Yeah. So what I would say is God does his best. Hmm. So why shouldn't I follow his example? Yeah. Well, that's a good point. That's interesting because uh, one question we kind of didn't quite maybe hit on directly, but we've sort of been talking about it is when is what we're doing, quote unquote, Christian and when is it not? I mean, do do we make something Christian by attaching a label to it or is it Christian by how we do it? Yeah. And what Roy was kind of touching on there was diligence. And what's interesting is that verse he quoted in Ecclesiastes, it's chapter nine, verse 10. The second half of that verse says, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. So in other words, I would take that to mean your opportunity to put those things to use is right here. Mm. So, you know, do, do them well because you've been given the ability to do them. Mm. And you could go on for hours on, you know, what constitutes art, what doesn't constitute art as a Christian, is it not? But one thing I get out of scripture is that God is orderly. Mm. So if you're going to do something, do it in a way that is sensible and orderly. Mm. I mean, I think in particular, you know, like teaching a child math, for example, you start with the basics. One, two, three, four, five. I mean, that's roughly where our children are at now. One of them is just beginning to pick up some addition. <laughs> and, but that's the basis of how you do it. You don't, you don't, I mean, there's different approaches in modern times where people try to come up with ways of teaching kids math by going to different concepts or different ideas or, you know, how did you arrive at the problem? But at the end of the day, I don't want to drive across a bridge that wasn't built by somebody who knew the fundamentals of how a bridge should be built and understood that. If mm-hmm. I take two things here and I take two things there, I have four. I don't have three and I don't have five. Mm-hmm. And then 
building upon that, then there's opportunities to, you know, design that bridge. So it has a really artistic arch so that it properly frames the space in which it is built. And people actually like looking at it. It isn't an eyesore that they stare at and say, well, I guess that had to be there or the cars wouldn't pass by. Hmm. And, and you find that throughout all of endeavors of life. I mean, whether it's architecture, whether it's simply doing art for art's sake so that other people can look at it and enjoy it. If it's graphic design so that your company has a better logo, Hmm. there there's principles and there's order behind it that makes it look beautiful. And we naturally look for those things. I mean, we look for symmetry. We find symmetry attractive. Hmm. We look for uh, certain types of structures and proportions and and we do it without even knowing it, Mm -hmm. which is the really amazing thing is a lot of people have appreciated art without knowing why. And yet when somebody sits down and quantifies it, they find a relationship behind it that is orderly. Well, that's good. So the one thing I think about pretty often, and it kind of goes on to like what we were just talking about in terms of like our culture at the time, like being focused on the star. I do think that if I'm a Christian and I'm producing art, like for others to look at, like for other Christians or even non-Christians to look at, that it shouldn't be centered on me and who I am and be self-serving. One, because, you know, like just as just in terms of like who God calls us to be is to be giving towards others and to think on others, think think on the things of others more than you think on your own, your own business. And I think that once sometimes when we start thinking that way, once we start thinking that way, like in a not to be preoccupied, like, oh, no, I'm worried about what other people think. But in a genuine way to say, you know, I hope that whatever I come up with, whatever these lyrics are, whatever this song is, whatever this painting is, that when someone else looks at this, they are uplifted. They're pointed to, you know, God's nature, his ways to be a better Christian. And they're not looking at me to be obsessed with me and my ability and um, instead would be looking at the Lord. And I think that that's a prerequisite for possibly maybe all of the Christian art or excuse me, the art made by Christians <laughs> that we like. Um, I know it's like a tough thing, right? Like, is it a Christian because they said they were or whatever, but yeah, I think, I think that even for myself, like the, the type of art that I have experienced that has helped me as a believer has been through people sharing what God has done for them. And it's not been about them. Like, of course I could say like, wow, I would love to hear that person's story. Like how they came up with this piece of art um, that reflects something they went through, something the Lord taught them. But I feel more encouraged because I can hear God talking to me through what they're doing, what they're saying. And I can take that with me um, because the Lord is the one who makes the difference, right? Like other humans, you know, they can't, can only help us, but so much. And I always think about like, whatever I'm doing, if I'm going to be self-centered or I'm going to be in my flesh, maybe I should hold back on that one. Um, Because at the end of the day, people need more of the Lord, not more of me. And I think just the way Christians can do art, if we do it that way, we will look, we will automatically look different than the way that um, artists who are not believers do it. It won't just be about me and how awesome I am supposedly. Right. So that was just one of my thoughts that I, that I tend to have um, from time to time on the topic. So. No, I think this is a great point, Patricia, and does summarize what been discussed before. So thank you so much to Peter, Roy, Aaron, and uh, Krista for the contributions to the discussion today. 
we are all in search of more answers. And I'm sure we could talk about this um, for so long. <laughs> I feel like we touched on like visual arts, music, um, but we definitely can get more clarity um, from God's word just as we go along our day. So there's not going to be a day where we, we just don't have a, an attack from the enemy or where he's, um, you know, kind of prodding us to maybe have some doubts about what we might know from the Bible. So let's keep digging in God's word. To all of our listeners out there, we hope that this discussion made you think, gave you some answers, and maybe piqued your interest so you can dig deeper into the topic. Keep talking about these topics with the people that you know, the, the other Christians in your life, if you are a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, definitely reach out to us. And we've got some resources that can help you learn about the Lord Jesus. Ultimately, the goal of this podcast is to start conversations, stimulate our curiosity, and engage our critical thinking because we want to get closer to the Lord. Thanks, everyone. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Patterns of Truth podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode. And we also encourage you to check out patternsoftruth.org, where we post articles every week for the encouragement and growth of Christ followers. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to submit them on our website. I'm Peter. Until next time.